Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. If those were Black people in the Capitol, we would all be shot dead. There were hundreds of thousands of people streaming into the Capitol. Why did they just get to walk away? You just get a stark reminder of how racist this country is. Voices of Californians reacting to the insurrection at the Capitol. I think every person who was involved in this needs to be arrested and prosecuted and and a punishment, a consequence needs to be meted out as a deterrent. I noticed that when you look at the crowd on the news, not to criticize, but it's almost all white people, white supremacists. I'm a little scared. The fact that our country is in this type of chaos where its own citizens will raid its capital. I think it was disgusting. That's not what conservatives do. We're there because we appreciate the country. We love the country. I couldn't believe I was hearing what I was hearing. Just a shame that they had to do this to Trump. He's been maligned for four years now. We need a change of leadership at every system level away from white men and towards people of color and women because we have been inundated for hundreds of years by this leadership style and it's not going to change until we change the leadership all the way up. The legend of America as the greatest country in the world, land of the free, home of the brave, all over the world they know that's not right. All over the world they know that's a lie. And if we keep telling ourselves that and we keep teaching in the schools, we're lying to ourselves. A lot of Californians weren't surprised by the attempted coup in our nation's capital. The president has been fanning the flames of white supremacy since before he took office. But it was still really devastating to watch a mob of extremists break in and vandalize a place that's a symbol of democracy and walk away free. People around the world are also starting to realize just how fragile our democracy is. Of course, immigrants who come here seeking a dream realize pretty quickly that the image they had of life here is pretty different from the reality. And that's the case for two men we're going to meet now. They're both from Africa, and they both started graduate studies at UC Berkeley during the pandemic. That was hard enough. But as KQED's Chloe Veltman tells us, they also found themselves grappling with racism in a place that's supposed to be one of the most progressive in the world. Abdul Aziz Sandotan Koulibaly has been through a lot in his life, but the 23-year-old UC Berkeley grad student says nothing prepared him for dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. It has been hell. 
I never really thought I would have to go through something like that, and especially alone. Ivory Coast, West Africa, a country on the brink. He was just a little kid when civil war broke out in the Ivory Coast. Rebels have taken the north. The government's been calling on young men to join the army. It was the early 2000s. Abdulaziz says his family was forced to flee their home in the western city of Mans as militia swarmed in. It was a terrifying time. But life went on. Abdulaziz was a good student. So he was sent to the capital city when he was just 13 to get a better education. So leaving my family, especially my mom, uh, it was extremely hard. He says what kept him going as a teenager in the big city all alone was the far-off dream of going to school in California. That was what was in my mind, you know. The place where diverse people support each other and come together and flourish. Abdulaziz was thrilled to get a scholarship to UC Berkeley as an undergrad, but he says it didn't take long for his expectations to part ways with reality, especially when it came to fitting in. Like the time he was at the library and overheard a couple of fellow students saying they would never date a black guy. That day was like really, really, um, it really, really like broke that ideal of diversity that I had in my heart. On top of the racism he's experienced on campus, he says it's been tough to fit in with the school's black student groups. Even with the people that look like you, you don't really understand the struggle that they have been through while being in this country. When Abdulaziz started studying for his doctorate in engineering this past fall, most of the friends he'd made as an undergrad had finished their degrees and moved on. So starting the grad programme, like, I really felt isolated. He says he's reached out to his campus counsellor and psychiatrist for help, but he wishes he could get more emotional support from his family. He says there's a lot of stigma surrounding mental health issues in his home country. And the way mental health is also taken back home, you know, just like you will be fine or it's going to pass and stuff like this. So I had a lot of like breakdown. The violent insurrection at the nation's capital this week saddened him. He sent me an email saying he isn't sure if there'll be any real inclusion or an end to racism in this country. For now, other than going out for occasional runs and bike rides, Abdul Aziz Sandotan Koulibaly spends most of his time indoors. He says he's just focused on getting through the next few months. With a little help from his favorite African musicians, like the Nigerian American singer Davido. Unlike Abdulaziz, many of the UC system's massive number of international students haven't even set foot on campus this academic year because of the pandemic. Idris Mukhtar Ibrahim has been studying on scholarship for his master's in journalism at Berkeley from Kenya this whole time. Just been a roller coaster, basically. And that wild ride began with orientation when he came down with COVID-19. And I thought I was dying, to be honest with you. The 28-year-old didn't immediately seek medical help because he says there's this culture of shame around the virus. So I kept it to myself. I didn't tell family, I didn't tell anyone. Idris eventually regained his health, but he continued to struggle, trying to keep up a day job to help put his siblings through school, at the same time as studying in the face of constant power and internet outages and the 11-hour time difference between his home in Nairobi and the U.S. West Coast. Well, the group A people have been uh, working your, your stories. Um, Idris's yeah. journalism classes on Zoom typically begin at around 7pm his time and run till 2 or 3 in the morning. That's fantastic. Your stories are due today. It's been exhausting. 
I would start the class like, you know, high momentum, high energy. By the time it's midnight, I'm like out. I'm done. I can't even concentrate. But Idris is nothing if not a survivor. He grew up in Korogocho, one of Nairobi's toughest neighbourhoods. I think it made us like mature at a very early age. Like we were forced to be adults when we're supposed to be kids. He says crime was an everyday occurrence. Idris was in high school when his father, who had instilled in his son a love of books, was murdered by gang members. That was like my turning point and then I started writing. Idris started submitting video stories about crime in his neighbourhood to local news outlets and eventually started working regularly as a reporter. It's a year later, but this family is still in mourning. Abdallah Mohammed was in his way back home. Idris says he's witnessed a lot of violence in Africa, but he's worried about what's in store for him in the United States. I've never been made aware of my skin colour. I've never been made aware of where I am from or the opportunities or being privileged or not being privileged. Idris says systemic racism and the Black Lives Matter movement have been a hot topic of discussion in his UC Berkeley journalism classes. But like Abdulaziz, the student from Africa we met earlier, he's found it hard to relate. I couldn't actively participate in the discussion because I don't understand like the context. I don't relate the same to the issues. The idea that he himself might be a target of racial violence frightened Idris for a while. It's one of the reasons that got me thinking, like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to move to America? Despite his fears, Idris Mukhtar Ibrahim has decided, yes, he does. There's something about what Berkeley in particular represents that's pulling him. Berkeley, of all is read, is a liberal university, is a centre of, like, you know, democracy or, like, protests. So I want to see this for myself. He just found out he'll be flying out next week in time for the start of the spring semester. For The California Report, I'm Chloe Veltman. That's a Gabrielino Tongva prayer from the original people of Los Angeles and the Southern Channel Islands. One of the singers you're hearing is Cindy Alvitre. She's a mom, a grandma, a weaver, a writer, a storyteller, and a traditional singer. She is a Tongva descendant of the Saltwater Clan and a lecturer at Cal State Long Beach. I talked with her about her new children's book. It's called Wa'aka, The Bird Who Fell in Love with the Sun. And it's got a lot of timely messages about community, connection, and how ego can be dangerous. So I noticed that you dedicated the book to your father. Tell us a little bit about him, and was he a storyteller? Oh, geez, yeah, he was filled with stories. My father was an abalone diver, and so everything that lived amongst us had a story. The seaweed, the seagulls, the water, the sand, the sand dollars, everything had a history and a story, and he cherished that. That was his way of teaching us. Tongva culture and Native American culture in general in California is erased from the narrative in so many ways. I was really surprised to learn that Los Angeles County is home to 
the largest number of Native Americans or Alaska Natives of any county in the country. Yes, that's true. Los Angeles has the largest number of urban Indians that have been relocated from other reservations and other states in, in the world. And that kind of changes um, our placement as the original people of Los Angeles County and Orange Counties in that we become even more invisible. Al came first, for she saw in the dark when no one else could. Then came Kingfisher, who promised to be honest and loyal to Weot, our creator. Raven came next, dark and noble, and a good listener. Last was Wa'aka, sleek and beautiful. Her white feathers glowed like pearls in the sand, and she became Weot's favorite. So the story focuses on the relationship between the heron, Wa'aka, and the son, who's called Tomet. Tell us about the characters. You know, this story has its own life. Um, it is a combination of a traditional narrative from our tribe, from the Gabrielino Tongva in Los Angeles County, that really talks about how the sun got up into the sky. And with what the characters that we call Amupavitam, which are your pre-human cre- uh, creations, they had to find a way to get the sun up into the sky because every day he was growing larger and larger and larger. And as he became hotter and hotter, it was impacting and affecting all the life. The trees were beginning to shrivel, the water was beginning to dry up. So the other character that you have is Wa'aka, and she is a black-crowned night heron. Um, If you see one on the docks anywhere along the coast, they're the very interesting-looking birds that kind of look like a combination between maybe a heron, their relative, and a seagull. She is actually this beautiful white fluffy feathers, elegant bird at the beginning of time. And she has this very vain streak about her. One day, Waka went walking and found a pond. As they sat at the edge, Tomet gazed at Waka. He was falling in love with her, but she didn't notice him. She was too busy looking at herself in the water. She thought, oh, how beautiful. I am more beautiful than anyone else. So she really didn't have an affection for the sun, but she wants him there so that he can be kind of like the partner, the buddy, to shine that light so she can see herself. She would hold on to him as he was tossed up into the sky. Then she thought, I will always be with him and everyone will see me in his great light forever. As they lifted the net one last time, Waka held on to Tomet and she rose together. But as they entered the heavens, Tomet grew much larger than he had been on Earth. And it was too hot for Waka. She fell from the sky. Her beautiful white feathers burned black. And so the rest of the community, they scold her because she actually endangered everybody. And, and so they say, okay, well, as your punishment or the consequences to doing this, you will forever stay in the darkness. You will never be able to see the light of day or to see your reflection again. Because you were selfish, you will not see the light of Tomet. You will sleep by day, and only by night can you come out, so that Grandmother Moon can watch over you. To this day, we can see the dark feathers of Wa'aka as she sits upon the waters at night, waiting for the light of Grandmother Moon 
so she may gaze at herself. This is the only light she will ever know. She is the black-crowned knight, Heron. So sometimes, you know, we have to sacrifice too to provide and to offer other people, uh, extend the generosity to others, you know, so as to continue life and to give life to everybody else. Well, it's a very timely lesson for this moment, right, where we're so interdependent on each other, literally in terms of each other's safety um, and also where we really need community and we're very divided. Absolutely. That this is a very, very important message right now that as human beings, we are the last to be created, but not to exert our power over or authority over the natural world, but to take care of, because that's the indigenous philosophy, is we take care of, and we need to practice that. Not to model it, not to understand it, not to intellectualize it, but to practice it, to take care of each other right now, to take care of those things that give us life. What are you hoping that children and adults reading the book today will take away from the story? You know, the only way we're going to be able to push forward in a very healthy and uh, a collective way is to come together. So the value of community is one. The second one is to acknowledge that these entities in the natural world, how important they are to indigenous people that we cannot separate our relationship from the sun, the nature, the birds, the, the medicine plants, the mother earth, the water, the air, that they are very much a part of us and that they all have their own stories. They have their own lineage and their own genealogies and they are their own tribes. Cindy Alvitre, Her new children's book is called Wa'aka, The Bird Who Fell in Love with the Sun. Just as the chaos at the Capitol has revealed how fragile our democracy is and how white supremacy and systemic racism are playing out in so many different ways, we are also dealing with a brutal spike in COVID cases here in California that is overwhelmingly affecting communities of color. Hospitals are inundated. Doctors and nurses are reaching a breaking point. They're not only exhausted, they're starting to get angry. KQED science reporter Leslie McClurg has been following some doctors through the pandemic, and we've been bringing you their stories. She checked back in with some of them this week. At her hospital in Orange County, Dr. Dinora Chinchia says they don't have enough beds. So they've had to change the criteria for who qualifies for critical care. In other words, you have to be sicker to be admitted to the ICU now. All I see is sick, 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 and a lot of death. Recently, Chinchia called me, crying on her drive home after losing so many patients in just a few days. I've never lost that many patients in a short period of time. Here's what she faces daily. Ambulances lined up around the block, patients in large white pop-up tents, halls overflowing. Chinchia tries to hold back tears when she gets home, and her little kids run towards her after a long day. Because I don't want them to, to see me sad. They give me a big hug and they say, Mommy, I'm a hero too. Back in the spring, Chinchia felt supported as a hero in her community. But now she feels betrayed. Every time I see people on social media, like, having parties or gatherings, I literally say, unfriend, unfriend, unfriend. I just can't take it anymore. The selfishness. 
Another doctor in Orange County recently urged folks to stay home over the holidays in an Instagram post. Dr. Victor Cisneros says it was met by an assault of profane pandemic denial. He likens that to denying a soldier's experience on the battlefield. Where he's getting shot at and fired at, you know, and maybe in Iraq. And then people that are not there on the ground saying, this isn't real. You're not being shot at. This is fake. He's floored that people refuse to wear masks and continue to believe things that are untrue. They think there's like microchips in the vaccines or they think that there's, you know, really bad side effects. And so I think that's very demoralizing sometimes as a healthcare provider where you're doing everything. You're putting so much work and then there's a stronghold on the other side increasing the spread. I would say anger. I would say sadness. Dr. Don Harris is the chief of medicine at Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital, an overwhelmed facility in a small town northeast of Sacramento. You spend a shift taking care of people in your own community, and then you leave and you're seeing people protesting, having to wear a mask. And you're thinking, okay, but if you get sick, I'm going to be here for you. And that's hard. That, that is the thing that hurts me the most inside. She knows she can't afford to catch the virus. We don't have that many doctors. If I get sick, you lose me. Everyone I spoke with talked about this disconnect. The general public just doesn't get their reality. Brittany Watson is an emergency room nurse in Oakland. They don't see the people who are being rushed to the hospital who are like fishes out of water who can't breathe. Watson remembers the first time she was alone with a patient who died of COVID-19. It makes her sad that under normal circumstances... There would be a whole family and, and group of friends that would be standing here surrounding this person as they leave this world. And instead, they're left with me. A nurse covered in plastic from head to toe. Visitors aren't allowed inside most hospitals right now. The patient couldn't even see the care in Watson's face. They can only see this two to three inch window, my eyes and eyebrows. And that's the last person who's going to be with them. Currently, a tidal wave of COVID-19 is toppling her hospital. Watson says it feels like the virus saturates every crevice. When I'm at work, it feels like the walls are coming in. The facility is in the midst of its second internal outbreak. Doctors like Don Harris at Sierra Nevada Hospital want these holiday surges to be the last. I can't under estimate the excitement and the hope that I have attached to this vaccine and that other people in my position have. It's the first time that we've used the word hope. But the Christmas wave is just beginning to hit. A New Year's surge is still a few weeks away, and many cold months lie ahead before the vaccine will start to slow the virus. For The California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg. The pandemic has been hard on all of us. It's made a lot of us feel stuck. It's hard to be locked down at home and not see the people or visit the places we love. That's something my colleague Brian Watt has been thinking about a lot. He is the morning news anchor for KQED, where we produce the California Report. And he has been broadcasting out of the basement of his house in the early morning hours in Oakland. 
sometimes with his little daughter Melina playing quietly or maybe not so quietly nearby. That fire is threatening about 6,000 structures. Crews worked through the night. Excuse me, everyone. I, I Preschool was canceled, and so I'm trying to get through my newscast. Cal Fire says they are asking other states for help in battling the major... Brian hasn't been able to go back to North Carolina, where his folks live, for more than a year. Now, in normal times, a lot of families have reunions or get-togethers, but Brian's family has made it a tradition for more than a century. We spent a lot of 2020 canceling travel plans to see each other. But for me, the toughest trip back home to cancel was in August for the big family reunion. Committee, welcome to the 115th reunion of the Roberts, Borders, Mooney, Howell, Briggs, and related families' family reunion. My name is Vincent Howell. Vincent Howell of the Reunion Executive Committee is one of my many cousins. And you heard right. My family on my dad's side has been holding family reunions near Charlotte, North Carolina, every year since 1906. The family has gathered for fellowship, food, and a presentation of our family history. But in 2020, like so many other gatherings, it happened on Zoom. My cousin Jean Humphrey shared old photos on her screen to explain who started the tradition. The founders were Wesley Mooney, he's to the left with the beard, with his wife Naomi Wellman, and the center John Wesley Roberts with his wife Ida Roberts, and Eli Roberts with his wife Sarah Lattimore. All three men were born into slavery on different slave plantations. Wesley was born in Gath- I am the great-great-grandson of Wesley Mooney and Naomi Wellman, who hosted the first reunions in their yard. I'm the grandson of one of their granddaughters, born Evelyn Mooney, who turned 93 in August. Often when I call Grandma Evelyn, she asks, are y'all coming home for reunion? I don't always say yes. In 2020, I really wanted to. But all I could do was log on with my kids from our kitchen in Oakland. We saw more than 170 relatives trying to connect from their little Zoom windows. You can hear me frantically typing out messages in the chat. Donald is here from Washington. We've got people from California. We've got people... And that's when I learned I had some distant cousins in the Bay Area I didn't know about. One of them lives just a couple of miles away from me in Berkeley. He pinged me in the chat, and we made arrangements to meet up. Christopher Ellis is a sound engineer and a musician. He goes by the name Fur the Legend. I met him at a studio he works out of in West Oakland when he was done jamming. Welcome to the family. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Welcome to our family. <laughs> no hugs, no handshakes. We stayed six feet apart, and I let him take the microphone at the end of an extra-long cable. He explained that a few generations ago, his line of the family wound up in Texas. He came to California to go to college. He and his mom and immediate family had only heard about the reunion, but never made it. And so finally, we're like, we're at a place now, this year, that we could finally go to the reunion. (laughs) And then quarantine happened. (laughs) <laughs> so, so you guys were planning on actually... We were planning on actually flying down and being in North Carolina. When I finally saw everyone, like when I finally logged into the Zoom call, it was kind of what I expected. 
it was a bunch of people that I, I saw their faces. I was like, wow, you guys look like my family. Okay, this makes sense. Yeah, okay. I can, <laughs> I can be here. <laughs> I feel accepted in this whole community. That's great. <laughs> my new California cousin said this acceptance and connection was healing in the middle of a tough year. For me, hearing our family's history again from cousin Jean Humphrey gave me strength. Plain and simply put, we are survivors. We are the sons and daughters of great people. We are survivors. And in spite of these dreadful occurrences, our family has survived. We know many people didn't survive 2020. Let's hope that in 2021, we can all see more of our family. For the California Report, I'm Brian Watt. And that's the California Report magazine for this week. We're a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. Victoria Maleone is our senior editor. Our director is Amanda Font. Our engineers are Brendan Willard and Seal Muller. Our team also includes Ariella Markowitz, Julia McAvoy, and Alex Gonzalez. I'm Sasha Coca. Thanks so much for listening. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.